0: You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, with your host, Kim Over. This is Kim, and welcome to episode 49 of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. Today I want to talk with you about parenting your adult children who are making mistakes. How often as a parent do you look at your adult children shaking your head just knowing they're making a huge mistake? The mistakes could be in terms of committed relationships, jobs, their own parenting of your grandchildren, financial matters, how they spend their leisure time, and where they choose to live, to name a few. You know you can see the disaster coming, and as their loving parent, all you want is to save them from the consequences of their tragic missteps. As a coach who works with parents, I would like to warn you of your potentially damaging impulses. A parent's undeniable urge as it relates to their children is primarily for their safety. Sure, you want to have a loving relationship and you want their respect. However, if you had to choose between a loving relationship and respect or their safety, parents choose safety every time. This is built into our genetic makeup to ensure survival of the species. This strong urge to protect your children is essential when a child is small and unable to care for themselves. You would be labeled a neglectful parent and risk having your child placed into protective custody if you didn't protect them at an early age, as much as your children rail against that protection. When children are small, they're working to satisfy their other needs of freedom, joy, connection, and significance. Most children are not very mindful of their safety. That's your job. As children grow, they begin to have experiences away from you. Some go to preschool, but certainly by the time they're in kindergarten, they're not under your protection 24-7 anymore. That's the job of their teacher now for some portion of the school days. This can be stressful on some parents as they struggle to let go of their role of protector for their child. It's natural to want to protect your child if you told what was really in your head you would want to place your child in a protective bubble that you monitored to always ensure your child wouldn't get hurt this makes sense when your children are small but once they become toddlers and assert their autonomy from you it's time to begin the process of letting go ever so slightly do you remember when one or both of your parents told you the stove was hot I have a distinct memory of that because, like most people, I burned myself on the stove trying to verify what I'd been told. My mother said, don't touch that, it's really hot. But true to child form, I had to discover for myself, despite the risk. Do you remember touching the stove for the first time? Typically, once you've done that, you don't repeat it. Why? Because you learned your parent was correct, and you learned the stove was hot. Is this abusive parenting? Turning your back on your child while they use that time to hurt themselves? Of course not. Your child actually learns important lessons from making mistakes and getting hurt. Naturally, you work to keep the injuries to a minimum, but children will hurt themselves. I had two curious sons who spent a lot of time playing outdoors. They learned to climb trees early. The rule was if they could get themselves in the tree, then they could climb it. They were also told they could get hurt falling from the tree. My oldest tested that theory and broke his arm falling from a tree. Actually, he jumped from the tree. It happens. My children had a few broken bones and stitches needed during their childhood. Was I neglectful? No, but I also didn't try to overprotect either. Overprotect you say, is that possible? I say it is. People learn from mistakes. Our brains are wired to create strong memories around intense emotional experiences. When you think back to your earliest memories, they may be centered around strong, loving moments, and also moments when you were feeling scared, angry, or sad. It's during these times that learning occurs. When parents try to protect their children from making mistakes and having painful experiences, they are, in essence, robbing them of important learning opportunities. I'm talking about the parents who are always intervening when their children are arguing with one another. Parents need to teach kids skills to work out their conflicts and allow them to practice those skills, learning what works and what doesn't, so they can do it better next time. There are also parents who rush to school on their children's behalf to stand up against a perceived wrong committed by a teacher, coach, administrator, or another student. Parents can become combative warriors when they think their child has been treated wrongly. If the situation is serious, it makes sense for parental involvement, but always enter with an open mind that there are always at least two sides to every story. Your child may have a vastly different perception of what happened than the adults involved or even the other child. I remember when my youngest son had an exceedingly strict teacher in fourth grade. She was known as the tough teacher. Definitely old school, as the year she taught my son was her last before retiring. Kyle had always struggled with organization. His desk and backpacks were places that looked more like a jungle than places that were supposed to support learning. His fourth grade teacher had a thing about publicly shaming the child by making him stand in front of the room while she dumped their desk. As a parent, I could have demanded Kyle get a different teacher. I chose not to do that. Instead, I used the situation to teach him that sometimes people weren't going to treat him the way he wanted to be treated, and he would have to decide what he wanted to do about that. We talked about keeping a more organized desk, but he didn't have it in him to do that. He knew he would have the desk dumped regularly and would have to stand in front of the class. Kyle learned he had an alternative if he just prioritized organization, but he wasn't willing to do that. Instead, he willingly took the teacher's punishment without allowing it to shame him. He knew he was making a choice. Kyle learned in fourth grade that other people don't have the power to make him feel ashamed because they want him to. He was in control of his emotions, and this was a lesson he remembers to this day. Later in high school, there were many other learning opportunities. As a parent, I could have forbidden my children from doing certain things to keep them safe, but I know that children have needs that are just as strong as my need to keep them safe. They have needs to be connected to their peers, feel some autonomy from their parents, make some of their own decisions for good, for bad, and devise ways to have fun that doesn't include their parents. This transition was the hardest for me, not because I was losing my ability to keep them safe, but because there were people in their life whose company they preferred over mine. However, I knew how important those things were for them. It helped remembering how important being with my friends away from my parents was for me as a teenager. Piaget says the task of children at this stage is separation and individuation. For their future growth and development, it's critical for teens to develop an identity separate from their parents. I always thought of this as training for college. Once your children are in college, you lose a great deal of supervisory power simply because they typically no longer live under your roof when they're off at school. As a parent, you know there's many dangers at school, not the least of which is drugs, alcohol, and easy access to sex, to mention a few. Add to that the astronomical costs of attending university and the stakes are high for making good decisions. My oldest went to my alma mater, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, to pursue a degree in criminology. He was in school after the time parents got to see their kids' grades. Dave got his grades and had the choice to share them with me or not. Of course, I wanted to see his grades, but not once did he show them to me. I remember when he went off to school, we had a talk about how important it was to do what was necessary to finish in four years, because I was only going to contribute to his college for four years. If he fooled around and took longer, he was going to have to pay the rest himself. This was a boundary that I was in control of. I hoped, of course, it would be enough to get him through in four years. I remember when I was in school, there were many kids who kept switching majors, partying and taking five years to get finished without really valuing their schooling. Their parents paid for everything, and they didn't appreciate school. Dave took out loans, and I paid the expected amount determined by his financial aid application as his parent. Dave decided as a sophomore he wanted to have a car. Not just any car, but a Subaru WRX, quite an expensive car for a college student. I advised him it was going to take a lot to keep that car on the road, but he was convinced he could do it. What I didn't know until Dave's last semester of senior year is that he was 18 credits shy on having enough to graduate. He always started his semesters with 15 credits, but then would inevitably drop one because he needed more hours at his job to support his car. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but I didn't bail him out. He had assumed I would just pay for another year, but I had been quite clear with my boundary. He hadn't asked for any help throughout the four years, in fact, he purposefully kept that information from me. I didn't pay, and he didn't graduate. That was 14 years ago. Of course, I thought that would be one, if not the biggest, mistake of his life. I don't know if he regrets it or not, but he currently has a sales job with a Kubota dealer making six figures and is the number two salesman of the Kubota brand in the United States. I share this story to point out that even when we parents think our children are making a horrible mistake, sometimes it works out for them anyway. When my youngest was in high school, he had an equally crazy system I knew was going to prevent him from getting into college. When I voiced my concern, he was quick to tell me he wasn't going to college. I asked how could he be sure of that since he was just a freshman, but he assured me he had no intention of prolonging his educational misery. He wasn't going to college. The high school he attended had a rule called the 90% homework policy. This meant that if a student didn't complete 90% of their homework in a class during a quarter, then they received an F on their report card. It didn't matter if they had an A on all their tests, quizzes, papers, or projects. Without 90% of their homework completed, the student would receive an F. Kyle did not like being told what to do by anyone, so this rule was a problem for him. And yet he didn't want to fail the year and have to repeat the classes. He decided he had four main subjects and four quarters. He planned to not do any homework in math the first quarter, language arts the second quarter, science the third quarter, and history the fourth quarter. He got an F in each class one quarter. Then he did his homework in his other classes, giving him B's and C's for the year. I told him he'd never get into college with 16 Fs on his high school transcripts, but he said he wouldn't be going to college. Kyle graduated with those Fs, applied for the Army, and served six years with two deployments to Iraq. In between deployments, Kyle did attend college. He was accepted at Bloomsburg University in Pennsylvania without any special requirements, and do you know, he made dean's list every semester he attended. I was sure his behavior would prevent him from going to college, but I was wrong. I'm glad I allowed my children to do things their way with little interference from me. I always weighed in with my thoughts and they listened, considering what I had to say, but they were kids who only learned by touching the stove, and many times their plans worked out when I was concerned they wouldn't. The most important thing for a parent of older children is maintaining a strong relationship with them because with a loving respectful relationship you have influence without the relationship your children will likely not hear what you're saying your conversations will end up sounding like the adults do on the charlie brown cartoons went 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 you'll think you're having a great conversation but your children aren't hearing you well they hear you but they don't understand or care about what you're saying this won't build well for your ultimate objective, keeping your children safe. I was recently speaking with a client who's upset with her only daughter over her daughter's choices about her love life. Apparently, this woman has been dating someone off and on and now is engaged and living with him. The reason this woman, call her Sherry, has broken up with this man in the past is because he's been emotionally abusive. Because Sherry has shared that information with her parents, they're concerned for her safety and the safety of Sherry's son, who's not her fiancé's. The parents have taken the stand that this man is not permitted in their home. In response, Sherry no longer visits, so my client and her husband don't get to see her or their grandson. In essence, my client has lost her influence. The important thing to understand as parents is that our children are independent entities, We created them, gave birth to them, raised them, sacrificed for them, but we don't own them. We don't get to insist that they do the things that make us comfortable. Even when we know our child is making the biggest mistake of their life, we have no right to force them to do what we think is best. If we've maintained a reasonably close relationship with our child, they'll allow us to express our opinions and fears about what they plan to do. But when you take that step as the parent, be sure you're not criticizing what your adult child wants to do. Your fears and concerns belong to you, not to your child. When you try to state your concerns in such a way that you're correct and your child is being foolish for not seeing the light and coming over to your way of thinking, they'll perceive that as judgment and criticism, and that will inevitably drive a wedge between you and your relationship. It can also ensure your child will do the very thing you fear. When expressing your concerns, you want to own them as yours. Your conversation might go like this. The mom would say, Sherry, I know you're thinking of moving in with Steve again, and that is 100% your decision. Is it okay with you if I share what I'm worried about if you go in that direction right now? If Sherry says no, that's a clear indication she doesn't want to hear what you have to say. In my experience with my own children and in my work with parents struggling with their relationships with their children, when you honor your child's boundary and don't proceed with your effort to convince them to do what you want, they'll often return at a later time willing to hear what you have to say. If Sherry had given her mother permission, the mom might have said, Sherry, I remember the last time you lived with him and how mean and emotionally abusive he was to you. I remember going there to move you out when he wasn't home. It was distressing for all of us, including your son. That was only two months ago. Are you sure you want to move back in right now? The decision is definitely yours to make, but I'm concerned that it's early to be sure anything has changed. I hate to see both of you move back in, only to leave again if things haven't changed. What evidence do you have that things will be different this time? I know you two love each other. That's not the question. I just remember the heartache you went through when you lived there before. I'm still a little shell-shocked. Of course, I won't be the one living with Steve. You will be. So it's what you're thinking that really matters. In this conversation, the mom is taking 100% responsibility for her concerns and reiterates that she's not trying to change Sherry's mind, but only checking to see if she has, in fact, thought of the things that concern her. When a parent takes this approach, they must be willing to allow their child to make the mistake, if it actually is a mistake. Of course, Mom is certain it's a mistake and hopes Sherry will see that too, but there's no guarantee that Mom is right. Just like I wasn't right about Kyle not getting into college or Dave not making good money without a college degree. Parents think they know best, but what they often fail to take into consideration is that their child is not a carbon copy of them. They have different needs, strengths, wants, and desires that lead them on different paths than the parent would take, and that's okay. I didn't mention what happens if your child makes a mistake and they're experiencing painful consequences. This is hard on any parent. No parent ever wants their child in pain. However, pain is one way people learn and grow. It's called experience. Your child gets the learning opportunity, and if you've done nothing to alienate them in the process, then when they need you, they'll seek you out. On the other hand, if you've judged them, doled out consequences hoping to change their mind, you can count on them avoiding you. No one wants to hear, and I told you so. From my perspective, there's nothing worse than having a child in pain who won't talk with you about it because they don't want to hear your confirmation that they should have done what you said from the beginning. So please avoid that at all costs. Mental freedom can help with this. Mental freedom will help you learn to accept your child as an independent grown adult who will sometimes make mistakes. There will be times when they're in pain over the consequences of some of those very same mistakes. It's not your job to keep them safe anymore. It's your job to share the concerns and worries you have, particularly if they give their permission And then you need to accept the decisions they make, even when you're certain they're making mistakes. Remember the mistakes you made? I'm sure you made some doozies. I know I sure did. Do you think your parents could have talked you out of some of those mistakes? It's doubtful. In fact, in attempting to do that, they may have pushed you right into the behavior they were afraid of. Free your children from your criticism and judgment and instead tell them what you're concerned about and accept their decision as the best one they can make in the circumstances and be willing, if necessary, to help them through difficult times that arise from those decisions. If you're interested in learning more about mental freedom or signing up for a mental freedom group coaching cohorts, the URL is in the show notes below. You just finished listening to an episode on the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at the Relationship Center on Instagram. I hope you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing Sue Kramps, a parenting expert. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, choices equal life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.